Hello and welcome to the Carpetrage Podcast, episode 149. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello. Hello there. And Jenna's Hello. back. And this Hello, is a Eric. little bit unorthodox. Uh, we are recording on a Thursday night instead of a Saturday at noon because, uh, well, me. I'm leaving this weekend to go to the Fully Charged Live convention in Austin, Texas. Oh, it's the first fun. time those guys have actually come to the States for a show, and there's going to oh, be cool. like a Rivian and That's stuff gonna there. That's going to be really rad. Oh, it's going to be a Rivian. Yeah, it's going to be a Rivian Tied. there, which is pretty cool. And I rented a 500E from an actual person because yes. there were none on Turo. <laughs> so I went to the owner's group. I'm like, this is a bit oh, out yeah, there. yeah, I remember you said that. But yeah. I need to rent a five. So it's a creamsicle 500E. It's yes. orange with the mm. white. Yeah, it's going That's to awesome. be. That's awesome. It's the best color combo. I know. So I'm very excited. But anyway, that's we're limited time tonight, so we're going to try to keep them short. I am going to get into a couple things before we go topics. Beer. I'm drinking a Pabst Blue Ribbon because it is well afternoon. I have, Ryan, a, I have a sociable uh, Ciderworks freewheeler. Is that good? I haven't had one yet. Yes, actually. It's a, okay. Sociable has always been my favorite. But um, is the apple overwhelming? No. Okay. Sociable has always been my favorite cider. Um, but this is a... That's my laptop over there. I'll be right back. <laughs> Please keep explaining the beer. Uh, this is Sociable's always done really good work with their ciders, and the Freewheeler I'd never try because it's their kind of normal one. I really don't like dry apple. Uh, but as far as a dry cider goes, this is without a doubt the best dry cider ever. Everyone had. knows wet apple's better than dry apple. Yeah, nobody wants a dry apple. I drink things to like. I don't understand a dry drink why would you want that right like, remember that lady like trying to get a dry cappuccino the other day with soy milk and we're all like what what does that even mean it means all foam instead of liquid oh no 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 you literally can't no, no. Do that's that. why i like nitros more than co2 yeah. beers because you get less of the gas to yeah dry it out yeah okay pass uh jam um, no, i thinking, should say this is really good though for uh, it dry good karma oat milk maple latte uh, shameless plug. It, that is the uh, maple spice latte maple with spice latte so in the wintertime, they put cinnamon in it, but the rest of the year, because it's, like, my drink that they spiced up to be a special. <laughs> they, they actually did. It's, um, uh, it's, um, it is the Jana special. It's not just cinnamon. It's cinnamon, ne- nutmeg, yeah, and cloves. They do, they do something for not winter, but I love what they do, because, like, I love oat milk, and I love maple lattes. And Good Karma is the only place where I can get both. <laughs> so, there you go. Good if they haven't Car- screwed up the drink, I'd say they're doing better than caribou. They because... are, because they messed up. Everything. Well, caribou, not good karma. Starbucks has oat milk now, and I'm really excited about that (laughs) because I often, after Christmas, have more money in Starbucks gift cards than I do in my bank account. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. after after Christmas shopping, I'm pretty much broke, and I have a decent job. So yeah, so, so it's <clears throat> it's great. I I I I'm glad that I can finally spend the hundreds of dollars i have in starbucks gift cards i love how so, many anonymous sessions we have open on the carbitrage i know <laughs> anyway i want to get so, into the first topic I, once i shameless oh. plug of location of where to find good karma karma uh, and karma <laughs> coffee that is off of sixth street in lowry in northeast minneapolis which is in buffalo which is in buffalo minnesota <laughs> but buffalo, now, minneapolis now you take you That's go you go to northeast minneapolis you take uh 94 till it turns north just past downtown take that up to broadway Broadway over University, University North of Lowry, turn right, and it'll be about a uh, half mile down the road. So things that happen on that road are a bunch of terrible exhaust notes from vehicles that have yes. no exhaust systems. I'm going to use the that time. as a segue into That's our first segue. topic. And 
the topic essentially is just that. What are, we've covered like best for mm-hmm. just into the grave essentially. So what are the vehicles with the worst exhaust notes? And there's a couple mm. that are really obvious like Subaru Boxer, the VQ, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. what are your picks so, okay. first for the off, worst sounding like engine family? First off, I'm not going to cheap out and say VQ35 or <clears throat> Subaru Boxer. <laughs> I want to put, put this on hard mode. It's really not a hard mode to do. It's called God mode. It's called the fact that General Motors exists, and they don't care about their exhaust notes. That's true. So the first pick for me is okay. the GM 3800 V6. I will extend that to the 3100 I was going to say 90 degree. Any no, 3400's a 60. Any of their V6s. Okay. They all sound like trash. Fair enough. They, they do. You're right. And I know the, th- the 3800 because every bro with a Pontiac... <laughs> Always does a straight pipe exhaust, like a, like a thrush straight through, if anything. And it's got tiny pulley on it, and it still sounds like a butthole. And it those, goes nowhere. Those cars sound exactly the same with no exhaust as they do with a factory exhaust, too. They're so it's always bad terrible. in every guise. Well, it's because you never, you've never heard one that's actually got uh, exhaust gaskets in it, because they're always True. It's like out. a Ford Modular with the exhaust yeah. studs. I mean, yeah, they're, 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 they're always, gone. They're always not there. And the flex sections, too. Um, the runner-up... For worst exhaust note is going to be the 1990s Chevy K1500s. Okay, sure. The, old the GMT, OBS. the GMT 400 so the transmission, pre 99, the long boy differential, and the 305 V8. <laughs> so regardless of how fast it's going, it okay. will go. That will go zero to sixty and it'll stay at 1500 RPM the entire route, wide open throttle. And it sounds like butthole. Yeah, the 305s specifically are really bad. It's a really bad. But the Vortec 5.7, the later ones, are not far behind, especially no. if they have exhausts on them. No, yeah, but... you're right. It's one of those things where like the torque converter lockup solenoid just ignores the fact that it exists as you accelerate. Yeah, you, it, so keeps it keeps it the same horrible note. It changes the ratio in the transmission, but nothing actually changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds awful, and it's always wide open throttle with just a Malfour cutoff. Yeah. And yeah. it's on some like rusted out truck that's been bedlined to thrush. Yeah, bedline. They don't even have a thrush. They'll have a cherry bomb if anything. Thrush it's been is cheaper than cherry bomb. It's, yeah, but cherry bomb is a brand name. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's been bedlined and it's covered in like a pound of mud. It's just does awful. it have? Oh, what are the 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 stickers that are always in the back windows of yes. those trucks? Don't tread on me, uh, Cummins. Blue lives matter. Blue lives matter. Uh, dirty something. Oh, slight like sidebar. Dirty from boys that. or we something. We saw yeah. a truck with a sticker that like it was a yee yee truck. And oh yeah. It had a sticker that said yee yee in American flag letters. And I actually said. That's a great sticker, and I love the sticker that's on that truck. The only issue is it was on a tinted window, and they didn't put a white um, outline around the first ye. So the stars and stripes, so it's just random stars, and it said ye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a half-hearted ye ye. Yeah. But those those are my two winners for the worst. Oh, the, okay. <clears throat> the 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 three eight hundred and the three oh five. Like that that's a tie. This is the worst engines. I've never heard them sound good. So when I first saw this in the topics, I mean obviously I picked the topic, but you went through and actually put your choices in first and you picked some good ones. That the first thing I like, okay, what's the worst sounding car that I hear from my living room? GM 90 degree V6. Yep, it's really bad. Yeah. The VQ <laughs> would be in my list. Obviously, it's one of those standards, so I can't pick it just like the Subaru Boxer, but I've got a few others. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with actually the back of my list and work my way forward. So the, the first is the GM V6 4.3 diesel from the 80s. 
it sounds. I've never so actually heard one. Bad. I've it's never just, seen. I've never seen one running. So imagine I've never heard one. diesel noise and then just bad GMV6 noise at lower RPM combined together. Ugh. So it's really, really bad. The Iron Duke mail trucks, Ugh. just like the sound of a mail truck so coming weird. by, just kind of triggers me now because I'm used to that. The Iron Duke is bad. Ford EcoBoost V6. Have you ever heard a tuned F-150 with an exhaust that sounds like dog shit? No, they never sound good. They're terrible. Yeah. And then my last pick is going to probably offend some people, but the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio. Also the Stelvio QF. Oh, that sounds like a butthole, yeah. That engine's These terrible. These are all V6s. <clears throat> yeah, I was hoping you would notice the pattern. V6s yeah, are v- bad. V6s would never sound good, ever. No. Like, you literally can't make them sound good. Um, <laughs> Remember that YouTube video series that tried to make a VQ sound good <laughs> and they couldn't. failed? So this is the thing. Like, All right. With the VQ and the VR6 and the Subaru Boxer, all of those I give a pass because given enough effort, you can make them sound almost okay. Sure. But with the GM V6, I've li- you literally I don't think you actually physically can make them sound good. The 90 degree, I've never heard one that sounds good. Yeah, it just I've heard them with $100 exhaust, I've heard them with no exhaust, I've heard them with Borla exhaust. And they never sound good hmm. under any circumstances. Um, but, yeah, that, that's just one that just cannot win. And you can put the smallest supercharger in the world on. And even if it's in a GNX, it still sounds awful. Oh, like, yeah. That's just a GM bad. GMV6s. Actually, never, no, V6s in general just yeah, don't just, sound good. I, I can't think of anything. The Alfa Romeo. I can't, think, I, I can't, can't think of like, any other engine de- design that is across the board as bad. Is that? Yeah, there are exceptions, but it's overall very bad. Yeah. Um, I will say, one of the engines that sounds surprisingly good, mm-hmm. three cylinders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're so angry and like happy. It, yeah. Like, they, like, you're, mm-hmm. like you, you hear them, like a three-cylinder without an exhaust sound. Like, Miguel has... Um, no, wait, he's got a two-cylinder. He, yeah, his smart's a two-cylinder, I thought. It's broken? No, it's, is it a three? No, it's a three pot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His sounds like a really angry toaster. Right? And the Mirage, Carbotrage car of yes, the year. Yes, the car of the year for uh, like two years running. Um, but no, Miguel's smart car, whenever he, like, you know how it sounds yeah. like it drives someone. It sounds like somebody's driving a really angry lawnmower. You get excited. Yeah, like, and it's like, great. so you guys asked me before the podcast if I could think of like an engine that sounds bad. And like, I couldn't think of like an engine, but a particular instance. Sorry, the microphone is totally facing away. Because my laptop is way too big. Um, But yeah, so like, particularly when my Accord lost its exhaust. Oh, God. (laughs) And so like, it's really hard. Like, Uh -uh. Honda's can... A20. Like, Honda's, you you notoriously, like, they sound bad. But that's because nobody puts the right exhaust on them. That's the thing. I'm like, even a stock K-series sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Well, but you open them up, they sound amazing. Yeah, that's the thing. They're they're very detuned from the camshaft. Yeah. My exhaust with the stock one sounded, like, fine. It didn't sound great. And then we lost the exhaust. sounded A stock Honda four-cylinder sounds pretty terrible. So, we have to explain why Jana's sound so terrible. I mean, um, we can do that, but keep in mind, we're trying to very, do very quick. episodes. <laughs> it is a uh, two-intake, one-exhaust valve. So oh, three-valve, nice. yes, yeah, with a very aggressive intake cam <laughs> and a very not aggressive exhaust. So Our goal is to trap all of the combustion heat in the engine. Yeah, that's actually, yeah. <laughs> the, the, so it'd burn more gas. So like, that's actually why. very hot at 
all all seasons. But like that that's why it sounds so particularly bad is yeah, because it's, it's it, you have these really weird high velocity but very short short you get these exhaust pops yeah these little of pops like full yeah bleh. yeah you you don't it, it, it doesn't have the frequency that you get with a V8 like a flat plane V8 yeah it's like different types of bowel movements yeah and then at the same time with a three cylinder like the why the three cylinder sounds so much better is you have these big gaps between like you have very short or very long um pauses and exhaust noise mm-hmm. but when you get it it's a huge lump of noise every time because they're trying to get as much gas out of that one cylinder as possible yeah i mean v6 is a lot of the time the odd fire ones are in the same boat as the three cylinder sound yeah. but the fact that they have that extra substance behind the pulse makes them sound bad it's and two like three the, cylinders put together yeah it is and, and, and it sounds exactly the opposite yeah kind of i, I it, don't know it's hard it, to explain what it, what it sounds like is it sounds like a honda normal honda four cylinder where they're actually tuned to be as efficient as possible and as powerful as possible, which sounds terrible. Uh, and then you have, on top of that, not quite enough exhaust um, pulses that you get with a V8. So it just sounds off and weird and uncomfortable. It's a really poor beat, I think, is what it is. Hmm. So there you go. Three cylinders sound amazing. It's the best engine. V6s are the worst. <laughs> Top tip. Top tip, don't buy a V6. Buy an inline six. Those sound better. Um, speaking of inline sixes. Yeah, speaking of such, thank you. You stole, you stole my segue. I took the wind out of your sail, <laughs> you as I did quite so fervently. Um, Toyota has a parts heritage program for the Subaru. Our heritage parts program. For the, Toyota for, has for, a... for the Subaru. For the Supra. I'm sorry, my mouth is on fire right now. I was really hoping that your topic was next, and it's not. Wow. Okay, so... Is Sorry, this I just... I, I had, like, a big bite of... Completely ju- skipping the fact that Toyota does not make parts <laughs> for a Subaru. Yes, they do, actually. Well, at the BRZ. At the BRZ, yeah. yes. Fine. Um, no, Save Toy- yourself by coincidence. Toyota has a Supra... Supra... Parts program meant to keep Mark IVs on the road, apparently to keep people reminded that the Mark IV did, in fact, exist... Um, I think they remember. Yeah, well, I mean, whenever somebody says a Mark, sees a Mark V, let's go, be honest. Yeah. they're just doing this because Nissan did it with their GTR. Honestly, everybody's doing it because Honda did it with BMW. Yeah, not. well, BMW also wants people to forget that they have enthusiasts, but they also want their cars to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars for no reason. So, what's actually interesting here is a lot of these parts. Um, if you just scroll down, they have the list for the A70 and the A80. So, the A70 is the third gen. Uh, you're getting propeller shaft for that, door handles, fuel center gauges, weather stripping, huge on classic cars, mm-hmm. uh, and front emblems, which is like mm-hmm. weird. Um, I think the front emblem exists is because people are trying to de-rice them. And then with the propeller shaft, there's a lot of one-piece drive shafts, but two-piece ones, if you're trying to keep it original, is like impossible. Okay. So that makes sense. Door handles have always been a weak point for Toyota. They always suck. Fuel center gauges of that era really sucked because the foam that Toyota used would break down. Hmm. Um, and weather stripping on any car ever should never be taken out of production. They're no. still available for the 2002. Yeah, like I bought my brand new from BMW. Like they really should. Like it should be against the law to take weather stripping out of production. <laughs> um, yeah, they should because like that's the thing that gets the most wear and tear and is the hardest to replace. What, the what is sun the, hates it. What part like? like stumped me the most on the Subaru. It was the weather stripping. And like on my pillarless windows, it's impossible for me to drive that car because I can't get weather stripping. So that's why I, 
I've paused the project because I don't have an access for weather stripping. Yep. And it's like I can put all the work I want into getting it running right, and then one rainstorm, and then my car's full of water, and then it's like super gramps. That's I was going to just say it's going to super gramps it. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's why we had to take it off the street, too, because we are like, oh, God, this yeah. is getting so much water in it. It was really bad. Um, anyway, so what they're Great. producing for the Mark IV Supra are headlights, door handles, and brake boosters. Um, yeah, so I read that as heat lamps, and I was like, heat lamps. why are they, why, first of all, they had heat lamps? That's pretty cool. Second off, <laughs> why out of everything is that? Why Why are they reproducing that? And well, Toyota's never been able to make... It's just me not having good eyes, apparently. Again, Toyota's never been able to make a door handle in their life. Um, the headlamps, I think that was probably just a part that was really commonly riced out, and now it's mm-hmm. really hard to find them in good condition. Or they were plastic and they fogged up. Yeah. Well, you can buff those out, though. It makes it's them only so temporary. Just can... like the M5. Look, I had so many people post when I'm like, I'm looking for headlights. Like, oh, I can buff those out. I'm like, in a year, they're going to need it again, no matter what you do, because you cannot replicate the UV coating that they're putting on at the factory. You just can't. That's true. Um, but then the uh, brake booster as well is another thing. Oh, that's smart. That one I'm surprised about. That one's just part failure and i guess people want to put in the original one not like that's a really weird i'm sure denzo made that so like what was what was the problem and i think so this the start i believe is um for toyota to just find what is still readily available okay by their original producers sure and basically what they're doing is they're taking the parts that are available on the market and just sticking a toyota emblem on it which is (laughs) like Toyota Heritage, I, I hope. No, it just says Toyota because oh, it's it's the original. Fine. It was well, the original part. The part's made by Denso, and Denso still makes it. It's still the original part. It's just now you have a Toyota logo on it, so it'll keep all the collectors happy. Fine. And that's a really important thing to note is that these Heritage parts are really just parts that you can get, like the same part made by Dorman, just a slightly different variation of the plastic. Yeah, no, I mean private label packaging happens even from new, so I guess that's really not that big of a stretch. Oh yeah, at work. I save so much money by getting the Febby Bilstein part instead of the Volkswagen part that says Febby Bilstein right below it. Yeah, try right. owning a Ferrari and then oh searching by the Bosch numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's on a Volvo! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the, Weird, um, this math is on a Saab. The Volkswagen Fox, the fuel pump accumulator is shared with a ferrari 308 oh very fine yeah so i suppose they were both probably mechanical fuel yeah they were this is the exact same mechanical fuel injection so when we the last time i did an accumulator on a fox i told the guy i'm like yeah it's actually a ferrari 308 part because (laughs) i had to buy it off of a ferrari website because nobody else had it available (laughs) with a fox that bought it at the ferrari dealership just to get the box or something like (laughs) Look, it's Isn't a Ferrari. Cool? It's, it's a Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> That's a pretty cool <laughs> car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how we're doing this right next to the. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's there's a Ferrari back here, but that's that's Burger, beside the point. Burger is an equal opportunity clown, yeah. so he knows every time he puts that on, he puts on his clown makeup. Oh yeah, I mean so. that's that's something I just. It, I don't use it all that often, and I buy bodics. I like how it looks and sounds, not because I like owning a Ferrari. Yes. Yeah. Now, you have put something on the screen that I'm going to slap a button over. I did. When I actually turn on the screen capture, feel free. I uh, This is amazing how much we've had to push back the content. But like three or four weeks ago, I was in Florida. Yes. Just yes. visiting my family. And, You've been uh, in Florida again. Yeah, since. <laughs> I've since been to Florida again for the Daytona. <laughs> We're all like 24-hour race. But I want to go back to the first time this year. 
Um, I went to a place yes. called the Revs Institute. Um, what the Revs Institute is, it's a privately owned car collection from actually Collier County is the main county down in this particular area of Florida. And apparently that founding family are huge car nuts. So this has vehicles from the turn of the 1900s mm. all the way through current. You, for a week, were posting up a bunch of things that are very pertinent to my interests. Yes, I, and I knew with most of the photos I took that Ryan would be very interested. So I'm going to start... I'm looking at a very I'm not cool even going to caption most of it, but yeah. There is a very, very early radiator, which essentially looks like the coils you see on the back of your refrigerator, but a yes. little bit beefier on the front of a French panel. <clears throat> so we should also note... Uh, that is spelled pan hard, hard if you're an Ameri- dirty American. But it's a panel. But if you're a dirty American, <laughs> you'll know pan hard because of the pan hard rod. Pan hard bar? Yeah, same thing. Um, the next photo I have here is the water jacket and cylinder from a similar, slightly later version of the panar. And That's it is very cool. ribbed copper, and it is like handmade. It's just gorgeous. And it's actually... <laughs> and the head bolt is like 18 inches long. Is, what um what year is that? Like nineteen uh, ninety eight? Late nineteen teens. Okay. This all right. one is a little bit later. Um but very high displacement. This is the vehicle. Look at, that car's so cool. Look at that. That's a race car. Yeah, wood wheels, just garbage interior with lounge that is seats in it. Not a garbage interior that they is a lounge had seat. An unrestored Bugatti type thirty five. Yes, they That's do. That's special. <clears throat> well, this whole thing is this bell we're gonna only read the bell once. Um, the biggest thing, honestly, actually seeing one of these in person, I mean, it was great to not have any barriers between me and the car, yeah. but I, they had the, the hood off of this one. So the, you could actually see the cool part. Is the engine, yeah. the straight eight. I mean, the whole thing is billet aluminum. The whole thing is just machined aluminum can and you, it's so old. One, one second. Can you go back to that last picture? I can. Because what I'm seeing right here. All right. So what I'm seeing on this car, is that a cross flow in line eight? It is. That's very cool. It is extremely high tech. It is also overhead cam. Single overhead cam. Yep. Yeah, right. I think it's overhead cam. I mean, Look just at those the, the brazing. So I think this is actually brazed. Oh. Yeah. Um, brazed exhaust manifolds are just gorgeous. Very, very high uh, uh, diameter. I mean, the the build quality that's in this thing is just incredible. So and even engine turn dashboard panel. That dashboard. Restored. It's no, unrestored. unrestored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said not having oh, been for being unrestored. Yeah. Sorry. It's in great condition. Mm-hmm. Like that's amazing. I would like, imagine this is an aluminum body. Uh, that one I'm not sure about. Uh, it might be, but um, that dashboard panel. Yeah, they had to hand uh, turn every single one of those little spirals mm-hmm. on it. Um, but this engine, really, that that is the thing right there. I mean, you see this in if if, if you're not. Okay, if you're a typical listener of ours and you don't ever watch the video version, I encourage you to go to YouTube, go to the Twitch VODs, go to anywhere we upload the video version, and skip yourself right on to 23 minutes, and you will see this image. But the the engine block is a billet piece of aluminum. Mm-hmm. It is the literally cylinder just a big square of aluminum. Yeah. It's billet. I mean, the whole thing, yeah, it just looks like an ingot of aluminum. And keep in it's mind amazing. what year this was. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's also a cast head as well. So the head is part of the <clears> block, <throat> if I'm not mistaken. I think they're separate. I, I can't remember. I think it might be. I, um, yeah, they, that's one piece. It might be. Yeah, I think it's one piece. It could be. Um, so, but either way, the machining, like, you always 
fail to grasp. Like in the nineteen teens and twenties, like they they had bridge ports, yeah. kinda. I mean, not really a bridge port, but they had mills, and they had the ability to produce things to the tolerances that we make them to today. Yeah. That just didn't because it was too expensive. Yeah. Bugatti just they did. did. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what I love about this car. Um, so basically, the tools that Andy has in the back shop that yeah. he just like he has in the corner. That's everything they did to make this car. That's the only tools they had were that, and then even mm-hmm. as even as welders, too high tech. You had an oxy acetylene welder, if anything. Uh, we so, saw that with the brazing and the exhaust yeah. manifolds, but it had uh, vented aluminum drums on the the brakes. It was just incredible. Extremely cool. Also, you you didn't note that this had <clears throat> alloy wheels. This is the first yeah. time alloy wheels have ever been put on a vehicle was on this car. Yeah, and they're cool looking. But Oh, they're uh, very very cool eight spokes. Um, so we're hopping on a little bit further. I think this is a 1930s car, but I wanted to demonstrate. This is actually a Maserati, I want to say. Uh, but just the okay. drums, just beautiful. That's a gorgeous The drum, brake yeah. shoes are drilled and cast. The the, uh, the actual drums vented. There's aluminum. no backing plate. Yeah. No backing plate. It's a That's race super car. Cool, yeah. Yep. Uh, this it's, was... A later Panar four-cylinder, I think. That's but a very wide valve dual angle. Dual overhead cam in the 30s. With a wide valve angle. They were like way ahead of the time. The yep. fact that a wide, a wide valve angle, is, that, that was the way to make power on any engine up until very recently. Yeah. So and this is a, you know, it's a one-piece block head, too. So this is probably actually a pretty solid little mill. So this is actually, that's interesting, because if you go back to the intake, it's a two-intake port, mm-hmm. just like on a, uh, like on a, um, a Ford... Uh, well, a bunch Flathead, of engines where, have but where shared they, ports. Yeah. Where they would do a shared port. But on this one, mm-hmm. what's actually interesting is that it looks like they actually went to the best of their abilities to make an equal length intake manifold. Yeah, it does look like it goes exactly between the two uh, intake ports. So that's actually cool. Uh, Panad, we're trying to actually do that. Uh, and there's another shot of that Maserati, the, the brake. Just the, the cool. venting on the early drums is incredible, how they were trying to mitigate the heat from that. I don't even remember what this is. It's been so long ago. That's pretty cool. Uh, SS uh, is a Doppler compressor. So, yeah, V12 twin supercharged Mercedes race car. Uh, that was their pre-war car that mm-hmm. raced against the uh, Auto, Auto Union. Union. Yes. And yep. so this car is actually really interesting because when this was made, the Third Reich gave Mercedes <laughs> a blank check and said, spend as much money as you need, but you're winning every race with this car. And they did the same thing with Auto Union. And so... If you look at this, you have four-wheel hydraulic uh, drum brakes. You have four-wheel independent uh, double wishbone suspension. You have a dual-heard cam, fuel-injected, supercharged V12. This car is an entirely modern Mercedes at this point, mm-hmm. and this is in 1937. Yep. This is extremely cool. I love this. Oh, yeah, so much of this technology was carried for, carry forward for years, yeah. decades, oh, yeah. decades, in fact. But it was super cool. This one's half cut apart in the front, so you can really see the engine. Yeah, I really this was like, like eight point seven liters or something like that, so, and they revved to like eight grand. Oh yeah, they revved super high. So it's actually really cool. Is uh, with the third rag doing this? What they were doing is yeah, they were winning races, but also they were building this so they could make better fighter planes. Sure, because then that you, makes sense. you put this the into technology. a piston engine. You're, what this is is just this is a free run. This is free range R and D. Yeah, there's can, cross-pollination no matter how yeah. you do it. The, you yeah. know, Britain and the United States, they took all their technology out of the airplanes and put it into cars. Yeah. Germany, Germany's like, yeah, well, we're racing right now. Yeah. But well, also, we hate Jews. Well, be- yeah. well it's, it was because of the Treaty of Versailles. They couldn't actually build better airplanes. They could build oh, better cars. Okay, that makes so sense. So this actually was... So 
It's actually interesting because I was writing a uh, piece for JNC that never got published because it's a giant, super weird thing uh, that n- is so, like, just avant-garde that it doesn't fit in. <laughs> it's about the history of Tamagawa St- Raceway, which is the first race speedway in Japan okay. before World War II. Sure. And there's a big difference between how Germany and how Japan... Oh, also. Yes. <laughs> there's a big difference between how Germany and how Japan funded R&D for cars, because mm-hmm. Japan didn't at all. And Jap- Germany gave a blank check. So it was two polar opposites. Where Japan yeah. actually stifled it, and uh, Datsun at the time, which would eventually become Nissan. N- Nissan, and then Datsun again, and then <laughs> Nissan again. Anyway, <laughs> in Nissan. Try not to read uh, yeah. into it too much. Yeah, yeah, don't read into it too much. Carl Scone. <laughs> yeah, Carl Scone. Um, Instrument case. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they actually ended up making a car that in their barn, basically, mm-hmm. on their on their day off, made a car that was uh, horsepower per liter the exact same as a Bugatti Type 35. Wow. Uh, they did a supercharged uh, 750cc four-cylinder with a custom dual-verred cam that they made, again, in a barn. Sure. Um, but that's just... A, in, in Japan, if you look at their fighters and their everything, totally sucked by comparison. Fuji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, Fuji I mean, Heavy, Fuji Heavy Industries, of course, yep. they made the best, you know, bombers. But, um, <laughs> for people who don't know, that's Subaru. <laughs> yeah, that that is Subaru. Uh, but no, you can see a difference in like if you look at a uh, BF one hundred and nine versus a Zero. If you look at a Tiger tank versus a Type 14 tank. Like yeah, we're gonna leave the bell alone. <laughs> everything across the board. Just, just Germany, the ding in your head. Germany across the board was. <laughs> infinitely better than Japan was during yeah. World War Two, And the only reason Japan won is because they had, like, a superiority, a tactical superiority, just, like, because they were used to fighting yeah. in that area. Sure. But Germany, actually, like, they took on everybody in Europe and... Well, all... I call it home field advantage. Yeah. Ger- Germany did not have a home field advantage, and they were still able to really put up a, quite a fight with their technology right. on their side. So, and they definitely had some good tech. Yeah, and, and you can see it, it was a large difference. So anytime somebody says that motorsports don't matter, look at this car. Yeah, and just, like, like look at Fuji Industries. Like, it, airplanes, bikes. Like yeah, just like that is true. So much came from World War II that you normal people don't realize because they don't pay attention to, like, the like Citroen that was like hidden away because yeah, like that's true. Well, I mean that's you why know. you go to vintage races and there's a category for pre-war. Yeah. I mean yeah. the amount of technology that came out of the war and changed like changed during vehicles. The war. And, well, you can see it right here. This is the difference between right. pre and post wars. This is a post-war car made pre-war. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's wrapped in a pre-war wrapper. Like, but it's all post-war thing, yeah. tech. And the only reason it's post-war tech is this is war tech. Like, this is it. Like, right. Like, this is what we got. Because they got... started with the vehicle, and they yeah. migrated it to the plane. I, I mean, it makes sense. It's just just gorgeous. Every part of this yeah, vehicle is just gorgeous. I think craftsmanship was also much more important back in the day. Yes. And so that's why you see all this in a museum, and you're like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. we have engine cars. Yeah. 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 We went from... we went... We went from this to plastic. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I can add washer fluid to my Lexus. What's all this, then? Uh, this is a, uh, again, it's been so long now. It's it's a Formula One engine from the late, mid to late 30s. And okay. you'll see it's all, it's a magnesium, God, dang it. It's 
a magnesium block with an integrated bell housing. It's a wide-angle dual overhead cam, four-valve, twin-spark cylinder head, individual throttle bodies, segregated exhaust. I mean, it's Formula One. That's very cool. But, I mean, you look at that engine, you're probably like, oh, it's probably from the 60s. Yeah, it's a 1960s Alfa Romeo engine. Right, exactly. It looks like (laughs) a twin spark. (laughs) That's exactly an Alfa, it's a 1960s Alfa Romeo engine. So Alfa was probably copying the homework from a (laughs) 30-year-old, you know, whatever this was. But, I mean, I I took a picture of this only because I thought the technology in it was so, oh, I'm sorry, so ahead of its time. Yeah. And uh, this was like almost 300 horsepower, too. I mean, it was just nuts. That's Just a, look at all of this that's, machine. That's on the. Uh, that's not the Mercedes. What is that? No, I. I don't know what this was. Oh, there you go. Oh, it was an ERA. Okay. Yep. So that, that's probably the engine from this too. Then, but I mean, like the master cylinders are down low. There's no redundant circuits. But I mean, I just want to like emphasize the you, machining you, ability you, of people in the twenties and thirties yeah. is just as good as yeah. it is today. I mean, the, yes, the, we have, like, CNC mills, but, like, we had regular mills back then. It took a lot more time and money to do it back then, but people still did it. So my question is, after having gone to this, yeah. do you understand my appreciation of pre-war cars more now? Like, no, you don't, ha- you you don't have like to. like the car. You, you don't have to like... Well, I like the car because I like the way that they put the technology together. And they, I like the they tech did... behind some of these. I still hate all the cars. The re- so the reason I actually really think that these are super cool is... They were having to do this for the very first time. It's the same reason why I'm into vintage computers, like sure. really early computers. Is they didn't have a rule book; they had to figure it out on their own. There was so much diversity. Yeah, yeah it's really cool how like <clears throat> they would lo- they would do something totally different. Like big history buff and you should coming out exactly. Yeah, I'm a big history nerd, so no I like way. historic cars. Yeah, it's no weird. way. <laughs> so shocking. It's my like surprised face watching. is the same as my uh face. <laughs> You're watching like. A Netflix documentary on the Ottoman Empire and seeing that technology, we're just like, whoa, what? And I'm like, it, tech it's is amazing. incredible to watch, really. Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, an archaeologist. Soon we'll be studying these cars. Yeah. Also, these uh, gurney uh, valve covers are really dope. I know. So the they're, they're designed, th- these are actually the molds. These are made out of wood. Wow. Oh, cool. For wow, the valve awesome. cover. Yeah, so these are what they were like cast upon. This is an actual aluminum cylinder head, but like, look at this. Hydraulic valve train. Yep. Uh, these might have been solved after actually, but like this modern, it, modern, and this is like 1962 or something yeah. like that. Still hand drafted engine plans. I just, it was so cool. So this engine was in one of these Lotus Formula okay. One cars way back in the day, and I mean four valves per cylinder, individual throttle body, alloy block. I mean they they were completely modern. All the really cool except stuff. Except for direct injection, it's a modern engine. Yeah, that's extremely cool. And the car itself is also know, this pretty is neat. A, this is on a Lotus Formula One car from the 1960s. It was a type Lotus Ford Type 49. Oh, that, I guess the yeah, this one had the that, that, that's this one a, had the Ford Cosworth in it. Yeah, but. the Ford Cosworth dual <clears throat> cam V8. But also I mean, a great engine. But I mean the the the, gurn, the Gurney Westlake was the same thing though. It was mm-hmm. like you had the the mechanical fuel injected V12 in the in the Gurney engine, but yeah, these are still two very similar engines where they were using you know, modern technology, but with classic like design, like yeah. machining techniques. And it's, I think it's really cool that they were able to do that. I'm just surprised. I mean, stuff up until we'll say like late 1980s, before they really hit the electronic fuel injection craze, mm-hmm. the really high end stuff like effectively didn't change from 1930 to 1989. No, not at all. And that again, that goes back to my love of pre-war. It's 
a car from 1920 versus a car from 1930, two totally not different things. Oh, a car, because there are, uh, like, the vast majority of stuff is L-head side valves. Well, I should say a, a Bugatti real, Type 35. A good, a good car mm-hmm. from sure. 1920 to 1930. Yeah, um, like a race car. Like, if you look at the a Formula One engine from the late 1930s and the late 1980s, they're you know, really not going to be that what, what I what I look at more than that is I look at, like, not the highest form of luxury cars, but, like, the aspirational luxury car. Okay. The Audi of cars. The entry level, like, I'm better than the normal layman car. Okay. That's not quite... A... The Jay Gatsby cars. Yeah. Th- well, no, because that, that's, th- that's the Lycoming... I v- That's the Lycoming inline eight, which, like, was the best engine well into the 50s. But I'm talking more about the normal cars that are just a little bit better, because that's where you see these huge bumps in technology. So I think this, this went out of engine. order. This is one of those gurney V12 pistons. It Look is, at that. It's tiny. Okay, I, do I cannot say... emphasize how well, small that this was, but it is beefy, and just the machining is gorgeous. So for a long time, pistons have looked like something to me, and it just connected in my head. They look like femurs. They yeah. do. Yeah. 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 It looks just like bulky. a femur. There's like a big end of your femur. Right? Like, yeah, it looks like the big like end of like your femur. That's like what a horse femur looks like. like I'm, I was just like, this looks familiar. Huh, and what? And then rod. I was like, that's a femur. Yeah, it's a, a femur. a wooden mold of the water pump. What? Very cool. So actually, speaking of water pumps, mm-hmm. um, today is Mazda's 100th birthday. Very fine. Uh, today, January 30th. Um, did you know Mazda actually... They were, Are you back in your van? Yes. Good. They're a uh, they, they originally started as a court company, <clears throat> but um, oh, so they're like uh, Peugeot. Yeah, kind of. Peugeot. But uh, Matsuda-san, the guy who has actually started Mazda, and the, the company is his namesake. Um, he joined the company after design, and the first thing he did is he designed his own water pump design. Okay. So Mazda's for a long time, did had a water pump design that was unique to everybody else in the world. Like, was it more good or early? Yes. Oh, very good. They were always by Japanese standards. I guess they didn't really compare it to anything else in the world. Hmm. Um, but anyway, let's go back to uh, what you're talking about here at the Res Museum, where I saw a turbocharger. Oh, yeah. These prototype. are... I'm just scrolling through. I mean, thank you for pulling me away. This is taking a little too long. But uh, late 1980s turbo F1. That was one of those BMW... And then I had to take a picture of this. This was an old Daytona prototype Ford cam-driven, or sorry, gear-driven cam, not cam-driven gears. That's Just cool. Imagine the noise that came from this. Very loud. Have you ever seen the OS Geiken uh, dual-verd cam yes. engine? Yeah, Dude, oh, everything OS Geiken makes is fascinating. But, yeah, they did a OS Geiken uh, gear-driven dual-verd cam setup for Datsun L-series engines. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like that. Very, yes. very cool. It's like a Cummins 6BT morphed into a L-Series Datsun. Yes, it is. But just tons of gorgeous stuff. I'm just quick ripping through it. They have, this was a really early Guibo. I thought that was, was cool. A, a Guibo? What flex is it? disc. Oh, flex disc. Okay. Also known as Guibo. If oh, okay. If you are yes. uh, in a German vehicle. But oh, yeah, you're right. It is a Guibo. I forgot about that. Um... I'm just going to quick page through as you yeah, go to Mazda. Absolutely. I, sorry, I'm killing you from the notes, but... No, no, it is totally okay. Because um, <laughs> these are all very interesting vehicles and stuff. By the way, did you see a mother-in-law's seat while you were there? I believe I did. In fact, one of our tour guides pointed out one of these things. Uh, and the awkward seat. Ooh, this is a Hispania Suiza. Yeah, I took these pictures just for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hispania Suiza. <clears throat> Look 
at those pedals. <laughs> you want to talk about pre-machining, you talk about hand-working Hispano Suiza. Yeah, Hispano Suiza is definitely one of my There's favorite There's a photo brands. in here a bit later. That's a horn. a horn, yes. <laughs> it is literally a horn. This um, is Alfa Romeo. No, um, Italian. Some Italian. Anyway, this some Italian thingamajigger. So, this is a four-cylinder. The thing I swear to God is five feet tall. I love that. You should have brought me um, as I'm, I'm a great as a measuring scale reference. <laughs> we need Jana for scale, please. So, um, a grandmother, or sorry, a mother-in-law's chair yeah. is a, a awkwardly placed third chair that you put into an otherwise two-seater car. Sure. So when you're taking a lady out on so the you town, can yardstick their hands, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so the, the the mother can know it. You're okay, but um, it, I believe it was. I think it was Locomobile that actually... No, no, it wasn't. It was um, ah, the Mercer Raceabout. Oh. They actually... Uh, I, will, I will concede. And the, Pre-war the, cars had better names. Yes, and the Stutz Bearcat, <laughs> they were like battling back and forth for who could have the world's worst mother-in-law's chair, and Stutz ended up winning. Because Stutz put it on the outside of the car. It was a fold-out lawn chair <laughs> that rode directly in front of the back tire with no seatbelt nothing to hold on to. <laughs> So a lot of deceased mothers. Yes, it, it is for killing your mother-in-law. And this is Espanol Suiza here too. Oh my god! You can tell that. they started in aerospace and they worked their way into cars, and not aerospace, yeah. but planes. Yeah, well, at that time it was aerospace because sure. it was the space of aero. So there you go. But the wiring, <laughs> everything was a redundant system. They had uh, they had twin magnetos and everything, dual redundant systems, twin batteries. Espanol Suiza is really cool. Um, that this, is a uh, Delahaye. It is a Delahaye, yes, and it, it is, is a one-off Delahaye that was uh, made for the 1929 Paris Auto Show. Very My cool. Dad loves and it's a super super aero. God, I love those bumpers. Disgusting, but other than that, it's great. Yeah, that, that bumper yeah, that needs bumper, to go in. But that uh, bumper's there just just because. Honestly, the Alfa Romeo looks better than the Delahaye, and that's a weird Romeo, yeah. That, that's something I've never said before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> today's a day of firsts. Yeah, today's a day of firsts. And then Burr this MG had pre-war. a sweet blower on the front. I had to take a picture of that. Oh, I, I love front-mounted blowers. The tour guide took us past this little alcove where what? this car was. I'm like, oh, excuse me. Excuse me, I'll be over sir. here. Oh, yeah. I, I, when we went to the Peterson, uh, me and Jana stopped Great the tour museum. guide. You annoyed the tour guide person. I'm sorry. She should be better <laughs> so at her like, job. Let me... <laughs> Let me explain this. So I think I think otherwise the tour guide would have been fine with Ryan's interruptions. It's just that the person who was originally supposed to be our tour guide like left work early. She and was never sick and this is just a like, random person. And birth. nobody ever communicated that there was going to be a tour and nobody was there. Oh, so no, this, this person, poor person was taking her lunch, bringing us through. And so she was like... We're going to do an extended tour to make sure that you guys were making up for it. Dude, this and is everyone... like an elementary substitute teacher. Yeah. And oh, then it just gets clowned No the, chance. The one kid that knows about the Ottoman and Empire so just like clowns on She was doing it just for fun and like she genuinely enjoyed these tours, but everyone else on the tour wasn't really into cars. They were just there at the museum because they were in LA. Oh, sure. And this so is something like, to do. Top 10 places. Yeah, so they were just like looking at the cars and whatever, and nobody else was like interested to stay in a spot very oh, long. Oh, wow. It's a boat so mobile. She was, so she was trying to like rush everyone along, and then every once in a while, Ryan would like stop her and be like, hey, can we talk about this? And she's like, yeah. And then, you know, it was hilarious. Oh, wow! Because, I like, was really excited. It was a Ruxton. It had wood lights. It was really cool. I'm yeah. sorry. And then we got to the Hondas and she got like, not really, like, I think had I been saying everything to her, she would have been okay with it. Sure. But I think it was, 
you know, it Ryan's me. personality. Yeah, I'm a really you excitable this, person. You have this individual yeah, right I'm here. Yeah, I'm like really dude. excited. Like, so I'm like, like, no, we got to talk about Steph Papadakis' car. Like, like, this car's so great. Like, it, it just kind of sounded like mansplaining, so she's kind of like... I wasn't trying to. <laughs> but it was hilarious. Like, I was embarrassed the entire time. And then she got to the French cars, and like even then though Jana that, takes over even me. though that oh, everyone, excellent. no excellent. one else was interested. Like I don't think anyone had heard of a French car before. That's very and disappointing. They're all standing, looking around at other. These are very She's like, I'm stopping you, and we're looking at these pre-war French cars, and I was like, yes. Yeah. So they they got together and did that. I do yeah. briefly want to talk about the Fiat 600 Abarth. Hell yeah. Because that cool car, car is ridiculous. Oh, everything's ridiculous. Buy anything by Abarth. I'm like, hey, you can't cool it. Leave the engine lid open. I'll spit all down force. <clears throat> oh it, well. All right. So this it's is the thing with, uh, with with anything that's Abarth. This is the engine, by the way. Every Abarth that we have yes. right now readily available to us mm-hmm. is the most watered down version of an Abarth oh, ever. Oh yeah. Yes. Like, having a car without an exhaust is very watered down for a Barth. Like, a Barth is like this car. It's a 600cc engine that you can't cool, so you just leave the engine open. Yeah, it's like they shipping have... a Fiat 500 with no front bumper on it, because mm-hmm. that's the only way you can drive it. Yeah, and then the, uh, the Ritmo, you couldn't get into the back seat on the Abarth, because the Abarth had a fixed seat that would tip forward. Here's a question you might know. Only very slight tangent. Did they do a Fiat 600 Jolly Abarth? No, but they really should have. Can you imagine this I, with no doors, wicker seats, and baby blue? You know, I, they didn't do it from the factory, but I guarantee you it was an Italian playboy that made one. I really need a Fiat 600 now so I can make a Fiat <laughs> a 600 jolly, jolly of Barth. <laughs> can you imagine not having seat belts on wicker seats and having that engine? <laughs> that sounds hilarious. fabulous. Anyway. Uh, That's exactly Chevy what we want to go crap. out in. McLaren, uh, McLaren F1. One. Okay. Anyway. First time I'd ever seen one in person. That's amazing. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. The I did a thing that you hadn't done. Extremely for a... failure long tail Porsche 917. Wait a second. I just don't understand. I, I didn't ever know this. I have been in the presence of four F1s. Okay. For Wouldn't it be over F- the cor- F's one. F's one. McLaren F's one. But anyway, I um, I've been for I've been, I've I don't been the blame any of, of you for stopping over, listening over the course of a decade, and that's like your favorite car. I just yeah. assumed that you'd you'd no, seen they're one. not like just kicking around on the corner of the street. I don't travel. Keep in mind my travel situation the last ten years. Yeah, I wasn't really allowed to until now, and now yeah. you're going everywhere. Uh, yeah, more than I probably ought to. Anyway, yeah, there's the flat twelve out of that Porsche. That thing's beautiful. Yeah, it's a Porsche. That's cool. It's gorgeous, though. Uh, it's a wrong, wrong type of engine, but mm, look at that big old fan. It's a uh, it's fiberglass or something too. It's not even magnesium. That's very cool. Uh, there's too many good things in here. I took a picture of a bicycle because that was pretty cool. That is cool. It has a sweet change. <gasps> That's my, fa- a Sahara. my favorite that thing. That is a Sahara. Yes. Not by a small margin is the Sahara 2CV though. Yes. That is the a twin engine, so all-wheel cool. drive, Citroen 2CV. Okay, so now we've got to the 2CV. I'm ready to move on. Okay. So we've seen everything. There's a Tremont there, too. And a Tremont. Cool. Good job, Tom Hanks. Okay. All right. Let's, we really need to move on. Yes, we do, because <laughs> we are very, very off topic. But that, I, I had to. It's so good. Um, so, 
Did you hear about the Subaru fucks? I did from you, <laughs> and that does not count as our f bomb because it's no, a it real isn't. thing. It's a real. It's it's like it's like in Shit's Creek. We have to spell it out. It's the Subaru Forester <laughs> F period U period C period K period S period. It's a, it's a Forester acronym. Ultimate customized. Jana, what kit. does it stand for? It's the Forester Ultimate Customized Kit Special Edition. So it's the fucks edition. Uh, anyway, fucks so did this. I originally put this on when this first, yeah, I originally put this on the schedule on It was January a while ago. 9th, but we had drive cartel and we had such a good time, we pushed everything down for the yeah, moment. Yeah, we're too set on miniature cows. So anyway, this is very cool, but Subaru yeah. put the kibosh on it and they apologized what? for it. No. What? And then no. They, and, then, and, then, and then the local and realtor then. got in, tr- or not realtor, but the local retailer for Subaru, the yeah. Subaru of Singapore, got in trouble for making this. What? So, like, Subaru totally screwed the pooch on this one. They could have had a hilarious vehicle. And they chose, like, Subaru 10 years ago would have, This like, would have totally... made the Forester cool again. No, the Subaru 10 years ago would have totally embraced this. If you've ever seen the uh, TV show Silicon Valley, you're like, yeah. this, this car fucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> this car would have been really cool, and Subaru... Ten years ago, would have been about it and like made puns about it. Sure, but now they're just run by bean counters. Can you imagine in a, wedge. a synthwave yeah. Subaru ad from the early '90s yeah. that had this vehicle to deal with? Yeah, and they called it the yeah. Fox. Yeah. It would be great. So anyway, Subaru sucks. That's all I wanted to talk about. Cool. Right. I, I appreciate you telling us about that, but I am really let down by Subaru not being cool anymore. Yes. Oh. Okay. Where are we at? We are talking about uh, wheel sizes. Oh yes. <laughs> I put this in probably two months ago. I just briefly want to talk about um, manufacturers that have made one style of wheel in multiple sizes, but the exact same wheel. Mm-hmm. So typically, Honda's really good at this. You see, so is oddly Volkswagen and yep. Volvo. Yeah. Like you, you look at an S60R or V70R yeah. from the mid 2000s, 17, 18 inch, same wheel. You look at the Huff on the Mark V Volkswagen, 17, 18 inch. Mm-hmm. There are so many examples. BMW Style 32, 17, 18 inch. I just, I want to try to figure out a, a why. Well, first off, this is why. Have you ever seen the CRX button? Yeah, beauty. I know they, they came in 13 sizes. and 14 inch. Yeah, the 14s look great. The 13s look like crap. I, well, you have a crap 13. No, I do have 14s, actually. But um, <laughs> I almost got insulted. The early one, I don't <laughs> I was almost they, offended. They also did the Fat 5. They did yep. a 14 and then a 15 oh, inch. I didn't on know that. they did a 14 inch Fat 5. The Del Sol uh, Dual Cam Vtex Ooh. had that. And then you had the Big Fat 5 and the Integra LS. Interesting. Um, then, actually, the Acura NSX had. On the same car, two different wheel sizes, 15 and 16. Toyota MR2 Spider. Really? Yep. 15, no 16, way. 03 to yeah. 06. Yep. So there you go. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. I didn't even think yeah, about Honda, that when I made this topic. Honda's, okay. Honda, like, actually, that's what I thought you meant, is, like, two wheel sizes on the same car. I'm no, like, yeah. no. Like, I, I meant, like, two different, like, option packages. Like, I bought the poor people Mark V GTI, and I got the 17s. Yeah. Or I have potholes, and then I got the 18s because I'm not poor. Yeah, or you get you get the 18s and you trade it to some pleb with 17s because you want to drive over a pothole. In hindsight, the 17s yes. are a better choice because they're silver painted and the 18s are polished aluminum, so they pit like crazy. Mm-mm. But anyway, I, I don't need to spend a lot of time on that. But I just I thought it was interesting to think about like there are, there are a bunch of companies that just do not touch that at all. 
they'll yeah. just like I, we want to differentiate well, I think you make with our such different a wheel good sizes. wheel design because it's yeah. not yeah. on it, it's it's only on the iconic wheels that's true there aren't like bad wheels that are made in multiple sizes no like it, you don't see or oe rather yeah yeah, you don't you don't see a bad OE wheel that's in multiple sizes. So you don't no. you don't see like Subaru like the 2013 Outback wheel being available in multiple sizes, which it really should never exist in that wheel as is a Is that whole. that like awkward three double yeah. yes, spoke? Yeah, that is I, one of the worst modern wheels of all. That time. is the worst wheel of any size of all time. Um, but you know what's worse than that is the uh, factory One UZ FE exhaust manifolds. Okay, why? Look at them. Um, Do you want? I have to... included a photo. So you this have... doesn't look as bad as the factory BMW M60 V8 exhaust I... metal, except for this weird block off thing. So yes, um, <laughs> there is that. But and then you actually start to really think about it. So the one you ZFE is a wonderful engine, right? And you're wondering how did Toyota take a four liter dual overhead cam, fuel injected V8, and make such little power on it. Well, I mean, little power compared to other competitors, sure, but not compared to, like, American V8s or something well, like they, that. Well, they did that by uh, nerfing the engine, so the engine can make significantly more power. So by taking the exhaust manifolds off, people see, like, 20 horsepower without a problem. 40 sometimes, depending on the car. I'm really trying but, to find a picture of the Blubsky engine donor exhaust manifolds right now. Well, this one, I think, is to date the worst one I've ever seen. So you have uh, two primaries that uh or yeah yeah you've got basically two runners that go from the first two cylinders to the last two cylinders sorry um (laughs) you have the cylinder one goes all the way to the collector and then cylinder three goes to the collector cylinder two runs into cylinder one with a really poor quality well it's like 90 degrees too yeah it's a 90 degree like right into the runner with a poor quality weld (laughs) They have tubular stainless steel, and they designed it like a log. I know. They did, they're even worse than a log. Because then on cylinder three, you have the tube goes a little bit past the cylinder and then cuts off. Well, they just put a cap on it. So then you have this like, little, like, little hot-ass hole of just like, like it's... it's I'm going to try not like to the, read into hot-ass hole. This <laughs> engine, this would be the only engine I've ever seen with a spleen. <laughs> like it's the only one I've ever seen with an appendix at the end of it. Like I've never seen that before in an engine. What happens when it's appendix burst? Oh no, like, it's no, 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 no. loud. Uh, Is that the only ah. time the engine explodes? Uh no, but actually we had that little cat piece come off and my technician was trying to find where the exhaust leak was oh, and no. that weld along the edge cracked and we were trying to figure out like wait, what? Yeah, that's on that Lexus I was going to buy. This isn't even cast iron. How does it crack? I don't know. <laughs> but then, Dude, that's the so, and then you have Somebody these two runners. The cat it, it really, it, it's one of those things that just it boggles the mind that this exhaust manifold is created by Toyota. I can better you from this. I don't think you really can. So. That's just a log. It's no, whatever. No, but, 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 but see, the left side of the engine feeds directly via a pipe that's missing here into the right side, and then it all goes through this two-and-a-quarter-inch downpipe. Ooh, that's pretty bad. And this is a five-and-a-half-liter engine. That's uh. very simple, though. That's why when I put header, Yeah, well, it worked, but like when I put headers on that engine, it gained like 45 horsepower. That's insane. That's but hilarious. can we also really just talk about the fact that Toyota... That's a very oh, sorry, simple it comes design. In, comes in right here. That's a very simple design. But Look it's crap... Re- 
But look how ridiculous it, they had to go through so much more effort to make the Toyota design. That's true. They had plenty of room because they designed that car to have the one UZ, and this yes, and this then, was can we, to can fit we click a big on the Toyota engine. One? So let's look at the number of mandrel bins. There's one, <laughs> two. Three, and, and then, then a very a expensive Y pipe. You have a very expensive collector, and then you also have to add in. You got one, two, three different diameters of exhaust pipe between the cylinders. Oh my god! And yeah, you have all that, and then a really you have one, two, three different flanges that you have to weld on instead of having one single piece. The only thing that this really is Toyota wasting a lot of money on this is this. Honestly, this like weird plug that they I'm, put in the end I'm of I'm offended that Toyota spent this much money producing this shitty of a product. It Fine. is a really offensive exhaust Fine. manifold. It is, it's very bad. It is we should probably do an entire episode on really crap exhaust manifolds, yeah. but we're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cars that don't have exhaust. Okay. Battery electric vehicle sales down fairly substantially nobody makes them in 2019. I honestly think this is because Tesla pushed so hard at the end of 2018 yeah. to get people into their reservations yeah. to get tax advantages. Yeah. So there, like, the number of deliveries that happened in January through March were like non-existent. And I think I mean, they're the biggest EV producer right now for the United States market. So I think that's well, probably Well, we should also this... note that like, since we put this on here... Uh, Tesla's also eclipsed the total value of all American brand uh, auto manufacturers. Their put stock together. is going bananas. Yeah, it is worth significant. It's like four hundred and forty dollars a share. Which no, is, it's six hundred and twenty. Oh, six twenty. Right Jesus, that's a tech. It, it passed four twenty like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a tech it's stock. It's moving that's like insane. crypto. Here, I'm gonna I'm look at it. So today is. That's January 30th, it is 8.18 p.m. I'm just going to look it up on... There we go. $640.81. Although that's not showing up on the stream. Hold on. Uh, it's there you go. $640.81. This... And, yeah. That's, that's so insane. we hit 420 right there. So that was in December. just before January, late yeah. December. That, that was before Christmas. That was Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So right when their sales slump started, they were... Where are we at? Before uh, here. $220. But, I mean, uh, the Model Y announcement was right around here. Like, Cybertruck, probably right here where it went down, but then skyrocketed. So, Tesla is annoying a company as it is. They do make really good products. Yeah. But, and yeah, I think as far as... I think we've put the... I think we've identified why the sales were down, though. I really honestly think it was them just, like, shoehorning everyone that had a reservation to try to milk a little bit of that tax credit into the end yeah. of 2018. But I mean, if you look at them, I mean, they're they're overall going up. It's just that Tesla is the big, you know, they're the five hundred pound girl in the room yep. or elephant or whatever the hell. And as the secondary article shows, but it's, it might actually be true because the sales are up. It's overall, not, it's are not up. exponential like it was, you know, twenty eighteen Q two yeah. to Q three, but we're consistently going up i mean the the number of u.s vehicles uh that are electric power only is almost 1.4 million now which is yeah. pretty good so anywho 2018 was a big year for electric and now yes. electric is just part of life yeah that's true so we come to the end of the episode and it's game time now okay now is 
the new Carbitrage game, guess the price, which that, is totally not the price is right. I was, okay, that was going to say. 100,000% not the same game. Well, that's an irrational so, number. What I'm going to do here is we're going to scroll down per each photo before we get to the price that, 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 that it's sold that, for. That, okay. And we're going to look at what these cars are and see... Wait, what? why did you cover the screen, even though that that's... Because I didn't want you guys to see. You guys... Oh, it's so the stream the knows what we don't know. Okay. Yes. So what we're going to look at here is what each of these cars are and what they sold for at Scottsdale this year. Scottsdale, of course, uh, is the big auction. It happens in Arizona. It's the unofficial start of auction season. Um, and... Scottsdale's really known for having a lot of really good bargains okay. on it. Is this so, like a Mecham option? What is this auction? Uh, this option? Is, th- these are all of them put together. So Haggerty actually goes across. So like okay. you, it's kind of like Monterey Car Week. Okay, so it's curated. Yeah, but in good. Arizona, where but no Arizona. one wants to be. A worse state. Except for, except for the elderly. Peter told me Piss Jokes is going to move to Arizona. Oh, I'm more than Bye. happy. That would be good. Hope, yeah, hope he gets, please. We, we should all like start a Kickstarter just to make that happen. I don't want to yeah. give him money. Not for him, to give to Modi. Oh, yeah, he probably should. Um, <laughs> you know what Peter should do is he should start a real estate office in whatever town Piss Drugs moves to and then just milk. Anywho, so this Kaiser Vagabond from 1949. $42,000. So, yeah, $42,000, you think, honey? Yeah. So this is a really, really cool. This is Kaiser, the Kaiser Vagabond. I don't Vagabond, want to know any information. What? I just want to yell numbers. Okay. The Kaiser Vagabond was the first post-war design ever. Okay. Uh, they were the first company in America to come out with a post-war car. Very, very cool car. Very uh, forward you know, technology for the era. Uh, what do you think it sold for? This car is a number one, like, concourse quality Vagabond. Boomer era sedans are not worth anything, is what I've come to know. Yes. So I'm going to say that this sold for $27,000. $27,000 is $42,000? All right, well, let's scroll down for the price, which is $10,800. Oh, yes. you're my both Atlanta. very off. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is. Yeah, wow. You are very far off. This is the Bargain Basement Edition. That is you. a... Or uh, Bargain Basement Edition of this game, wow. mind you. Yeah, that is a hell of a deal. I actually really like that car a lot. I really want it. So, Ooh. let's move to car... One second. We have hey. some information on these. Yes. What is, a, what is a car that is actually something we all want... The Lancia Fulvia Coupe. V4 goodness. Yes, it is. Well, this, this one was mm. uh, number three, good condition. Um, four cylinder, 15, front wheel drive. $15,000. What do you say? Eleven. Eleven thousand dollars The Haggerty Price Value Guide is $20,000, and <gasps> hey! it was $15,680. Wow. So yes. well bought. Well bought on that car. These are all good <laughs> buys. Now, let's say you want to buy a limousine the cheapest limousine that you can buy is probably a rolls royce silver spur because regardless of what you actually pay for it's a cost of twenty thousand dollars this is also the era where rolls royce and bentley were the exact same thing not only that this car was probably owned by somebody terrible um Uh, yeah probably gonna do twenty seven hundred i'm gonna go six thousand seven hundred dollars six thousand seven hundred dollars this one uh, previously oh, had a no Jenna's sale. It had previously had a no sale at thirty-seven thousand five hundred at Mika Monterey. 
Mm-hmm. And then they relisted it in Scottsdale and it sold for $17,000. They took a $20,000 L by not taking the sale in Monterey. Oof. Yeah, that's bad. I would not pay anywhere near seventeen right. grand for that piece of crap. You need to turn off Nightlight for this next one because what's important about they this car. They don't see the Nightlight only with I know. But they, they Jana needs might. to understand this. It's still right there. It's that little, yeah. No, I got it on my computer. I don't, they don't have the Nightlight. It doesn't happen on OBS. Oh, there you go. Ah. Perfect. No, that's fine. All right. That's a lot better. So. 1963 Austin Healy Sprite. Oh, and- in Ooh, pink. Ooh, that's that's salmon. It is. Oh, it's no, it's it's pink. If you have the nightlife turned off, it's straight up. I pink. have the nightlife turned off. Um, this I car. Know. It's this said number one concourse quality restoration. I am no way. longer eligible because I saw the price. Well, but you need to. What was your guess yeah, before you saw the that's price? Still salmon. I looked on the stream. Um, my, my price. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I would have guessed just under. Twenty. Five thousand. Oh. Twenty-five thousand. I was gonna guess sixty-two fifty. Sixty-two fifty. <laughs> it is eighty-two fifty. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. So that that car. See, I guess However, the Hagerty value. Yeah, well, the, the Hagerty value is, is thirteen thousand. But it. this yeah. this is a Sprite, so it's like not a real Austin Healey. So I knew these weren't worth much. Yeah, the Austin Healey Sprite. Well, it is a real Austin Healey. It's just that this is the affordable one. If it was a Friday but Sprite, twenty-five thousand dollars. All day long. However, yes, the second generation was MG Midget. Uh, it's a very good midget, though. Now, 1990. <laughs> oh, stop scrolling. Yes. 1990. Yes. Bentley Turbo I want all R. of this. This car, uh, six point seven five, uh, six and three quarters liter V eight turbocharged. Yes. yes. Eighty seven thousand. No, no. What's the condition 000? group? This is number three good condition. I'm going to say $7,995 because I know Top Gear bought one of these for 6,000 pounds not that long ago. What? That's nothing. What do you think, honey? I'm still sticking with the 87000 87000 It is oh. 8250 I just got. I was the- so but, close. But we should state that the Haggerty value guy was $13,500. That was like free. They're this not, guy got like almost half price. They're not particularly good cars. They're terrible vehicles. They look very cool. <laughs> they um, and they do you see like oh I'll drive God. a turbo Bentley. $3. How about this? Can I I need great more vehicles info. great vehicles that look very terrible. Um this is probably the $3. most the most desirable C6. It $3. is, but it's not white and white no. is the desirable color for a C6 Z06. Actually the uh, Velocity Yellow is a very popular color with because it's, it's rare. Yes, that's but why. it's not as rare as white. No, it's not. But that this is a still a very very desirable. Can you color. give me any more details on that? Uh, is number two condition. Oh, it has uh, fifteen thousand original miles on it. Uh, it's got a one owner history. It's been very well well cared for. It's got complete maintenance. Forty two five. Forty two five. Three what do you think? Janet hates this car. She says three dollars. <laughs> $30,800. That is an epic bargain. Insane. This is why everybody should go to Scottsdale, Arizona for auction week. Because four, four years ago, pistons. you couldn't buy a crappy Z06 in any color for that money. No, not at all. This is a, gr- this is a screaming wow. deal. Wow. I would, I would totally deal with the looks of this vehicle. These are manual only, by the way, yes. listeners. Uh, now, oh. speaking <laughs> it, speaking it, of manual transmissions, is this a manual? Yes, it is. Uh, excellent. It is an originally spec manual as well. It it's has not been converted by a Jaguar. It's, n- it's twelve seventy five. It's twelve thousand seven twelve dollars seventy five cents. Uh, like like twelve twelve thousand seven hundred fifty. Twelve thousand seven hundred. I'm not good at numbers. 
that that's very very low for a DB7 honey. Okay, I'm gonna then, say uh, oh. it's a 2003 Aston Martin DB7 Vantage Coupe. Thirty-two thousand three hundred dollars. Thirty-two thousand three hundred dollars. Actually, I, I do want to say you're like right in the nuts for the Haggerty price value guy because the price oh. value is thirty-three. It sold for twenty-three five hundred twenty dollars. I will admit, in excellent condition. I've looked at manual DB7s before, so I kind of know what they go for. So this is the other part, like the other Dude, part, like that, like that. I would have I would have paid that for this car. Oh, totally. <laughs> so, um, like that. Wow. Like that limousine that was for sale. Yeah. This one was on Bring a Trailer oh, no. in September. Oh, no. oh, Somebody no. it bid the twenty nine thousand five hundred and didn't sell. That still seems like I mean these and are this they're fool. <laughs> awful, awful driving cars, but like the drivetrain's so solid. Oh, these yeah. use Tremec transmissions <laughs> and two Duratex stapled together. Like there's nothing wrong with the drivetrain on yeah. this car, but it's an XJS <laughs> with some new bodywork kind of poorly paper mache over yeah, top of it. It's, it's not a the great The TB7's not a good car. No, it's not. But we should state that that's the best one you can get. That is a great buy. Whoever got that car, congratulations. Yes, screaming deal. Now this. 7,500. I need to... Before we scroll down, this is a... 1966 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. The last. This is the last year of the rear-wheel drive Eldorados. It's the last one they were worth any good. Um, worth any good. That's yes. correct. <laughs> uh, it is. You heard five, it here first, folks. <laughs> five thousand pounds of open-top luxury. It's very, very mm. cool if you're into this sort of thing. This car would have a mustache. Six thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. What do you say? Oh, I was going to say 6600 6600 for... No, you can both say 6600 Jan was just, just going to price this right is a little bit more, yeah. The Haggerty price value guide is 28600 because this is in flawless condition. Oh, wow. $19,000. I don't care. I never but still, get it's nine, it's $9,000 cheaper. <laughs> um, Jana wins. Woo. Now, 2004 oh, yeah. Dodge Ram 2700 <laughs> Is this well, a manual? Yes, it's SRT10. They only came manual. Really? Yeah. I thought they offered an auto. This is our last one. This is worth. This is for all the points, honey. How much do you think that a Dodge Viper pickup truck? Condition group miles. Excellent condition group. Okay. Low miles doesn't state, but to be an excellent condition group, has to be very low. Yeah. Okay. Twelve thousand seven hundred and thirty-two dollars. Eighteen thousand eight hundred. Eighteen thousand eight hundred. Haggerty price value guide is twenty-seven thousand two hundred. This one sold for twenty-one thousand four hundred and fifty. Go buy a Ridgeline. But no, I mean, no, 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 no. These are cool. These are very, very They're cool. Really dumb. They're Re- horrible. Rear wheel drive only. Manual only. V ten only. Okay. I didn't Short know cab only. only. Yeah. And look at the f- the, the face. Is oh, it's ugly. it's a horrible it's, truck, Jana. But it honey, it's Dodge from two thousand four. But it's a Viper. It's the cheapest way to get into a Viper. <laughs> and it's the best way because you're not a Viper owner, so yeah. which means you don't bang your own cousin. Yeah, this is true. Now you just. Are you way sure? better. Yes. No, this, well, no, this is the car that you get to drive to Flavortown. Okay. No, you, you get this to drive to Flavortown. Because okay. this is a Guy Fieri car. Okay. That's exactly what that I, is. is. But that, that was end? it. That was the okay. last one. Right. So there Shoot. you go. So, Burger, you won. Congratulations. Thank you. I think, yeah, I mean, I... I won with the $3 Corvette. I shot. <laughs> you also won on the Eldorado. Yeah. I wasn't even close on that one. But, yeah, the uh, Eldorado, Jano, is like a lot closer than you were. But, uh, fair enough. Yes, yeah, so there you go. The, our, my new thing for coverage is I'm going to try and add games whenever I can. Because these <laughs> are really fine. fun, actually. <laughs> it's, yes, I, I agree. It's pretty good. So. All right. Well, hey, everybody, thank you for listening. Bye. This has been a real thing. Yeah, Subscribe to our for... Patreon. Oh, I learned this week. Things that we keep... learned. Holy shit. 
I'm just going to add this in real quick. I don't care about you guys, but I learned that some people train otters to fish for them. Damn it. I bet that's adorable. It's adorable. That was going to be mine. I texted really? it to you last night. I know. Night. I was it really excited. Count. It doesn't count now. Hmm. It doesn't count if I tell you it. Oh, did you know that uh, huskies are the only dog that can't move their eyebrows? Yes, or, we watched that together. Well, Eric didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's because they're the only dog that never uh, lost that uh, from wolves. Did you know that Kyle Petty raced the Rolex 24-hour for the first time ever in a non-NASCAR? That's actually really cool. I thought it was dumb as all hell. Uh, How about this one? Actually, I told you about it. You already already learned something. We're done. See you next weekend. Bye. Bye.